Welcome to Beyond the Buzz, S&P Global Ratings Sustainable Finance Podcast, where we dive into hot topics across the sustainability landscape. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Buzz. Since last we spoke, we've continued to observe ESG become more and more popular across capital markets. Today's episode, we focus on the sustainable finance market to go over the types of financial instruments that are considered quote unquote sustainable, our expectations for how the market will grow in the coming years, and how participants in the market are ensuring that green or social or sustainable issuance is going towards sustainable purposes. With me today are Lori Shapiro and Anna Maria Romero Ramirez, who are two analysts from the sustainable finance team here at S&P Global Ratings. Their work closely tracks the sustainable finance market and the various approaches that we're seeing to issuance. They are also the authors of two key commentaries that I want to highlight. The first is global sustainable bond issuance to surpass $1.5 trillion in 2022, which is where we lay out our expectations for the market in this coming year. The second commentary is called Navigating the Strengths, Challenges, and Best Practices in Sustainable Finance Frameworks and Transaction Documentation, where we look at different approaches to issuing sustainable instruments. Hello, ladies. Welcome to Beyond the Buzz. Hi, Karina. Hi, Karina. Thank you for being here. So we saw that in 2021, the sustainable finance market reached $1 trillion in issuance, and that's up from $600 billion in 2020. When I first started tracking the market, we were basically just looking at green bonds, but we've seen a proliferation of different issuance happening in the market and a lot of innovation. So I thought it would be helpful for our audience to start by level setting. Can you walk us through the instruments that comprise the market? Yes, of course. I'd be happy to start with that. So to start high level, sustainable debt as a whole encompasses a variety of different financial instruments that provide environmental, social, or other thematic benefits. The most common types of financial instruments have been sustainable bonds or sustainable loans, but it's not only limited to bonds and loans. And these instruments can be divided into two main categories. So the first category is use of proceeds instruments. These instruments are ones where the proceeds are being used to finance specific projects with environmental and or social benefits. So you may be familiar with green bonds, social bonds, sustainability bonds. These are all use of proceeds instruments that are financing specific green or social projects and they fall under this category. The second big category is what are called sustainability linked instruments. And these are more similar actually to vanilla instruments from a structure perspective. And what that means is that the proceeds can be used for general purposes. What makes them different from a vanilla instrument is that the repayment terms of the instrument, so for example, the coupon rate or the interest rate 
are pegged to the issuer achieving certain sustainability performance targets. So for example, an issuer might set a target to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 20% by 2030, and the coupon rate on their bond might increase if they miss that target, or in some cases, an interest rate or coupon rate may decrease if they meet their targets. And then in terms of market composition, like you were mentioning, Karina, green bonds, they're definitely still the largest. They are the most mature segment of the market. But specifically over the last two, three years, we've really seen the market diversify and we've seen instruments like social sustainability or sustainability linked bonds and loans really grow in terms of their share. Thanks, Lori. So just to, to clarify here, for use of proceeds, we have green, social and sustainability. Green are green are those that are for green purposes, right? Like a renewable energy plant, for example. Social would be social purposes like affordable housing. And then sustainability would be a mix of green and social. Whereas sustainability linked, this creates a financial incentive for issuers to improve their overall sustainability performance and gives issuers a bit more flexibility in entering the sustainable finance market. Would, would you agree, Anna Maria, what do you think are the drivers behind the, the growth in the sustainability-linked space? Yes, I agree. Sustainability-linked instruments are for sure more flexible than use of proceeds instruments. Sustainability-linked instruments open the door to industries that, for example, don't have as much capex available to dedicate to specific financing. An example of this will be the consumer goods industry. But it also can be useful for issuers that already have been present in the Greenmore bond market for a while. And at this point, they don't have as many eligible assets available as before, but we like to continue to match their sustainability efforts with their financing strategy. On the other hand, these instruments also open the door for industries in businesses where assets and operations at this point don't fully classify as green, but they want to show to the market and stakeholders that they are evolving in their sustainability efforts. So they can do this by linking their cost of financing to ambitious sustainability targets. Right. Makes sense. So would you expect the sustainability linked instrument to be used in what types of sectors? And would it be for the harder to abate sectors? I don't know, Laura, if you have any perspective to add there. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, when we do a comparison in terms of the sectors that have been dominant in the use of proceeds uh, category, so we're really looking at, you know, utilities have really been the dominant ones there versus in the sustainability linked space, we've seen really quite the range. So we've seen a lot of retailers, a lot of consumer goods companies, healthcare companies. And then similarly, like you mentioned, Karina, we've also seen a number of hard to abate sectors. So we've seen cement, we've seen aviation and other transportation type companies. We've also seen oil and gas. So you can already see, you know, in the infancy of the sustainability linked market, which has only been around for a few years, that it is much more flexible and diverse than the use of proceeds market. And so for 2022, S&P Global Ratings is expecting the market to exceed $1.5 trillion. That's up from $1 trillion that we saw in 2021. What are driving our market expectations behind such growth? Sure. So I would say that there are a few things um, driving our market expectations, and I kind of break it down into the types of instruments. 
So first of all, we believe that green bonds, which are the largest category of sustainable debt instruments, will see another record year of growth. And this is driven in part by many entities stepping up their decarbonization plans and other environmental commitments, especially following um, the COP26 summit, which took place uh, late last year. And we think these entities are going to increasingly link their financing and environmental strategies, which will provide that boost to green bond issuance. The second big thing that we expect to see is another year of exponential growth for the sustainability linked market. So like I mentioned, the sustainability linked market is still quite small in terms of total proportion around 10% of the sustainable bond market, but it's gonna grow in our opinion much faster than the use of proceeds market. And that is due to what we were discussing in that it caters to a broader range of entities um, than the use of proceeds space does. And then finally, the last thing is that we expect consistent growth as we've seen you know, um, in the social and sustainability bond markets. So just as a quick background, social debt specifically was quite quiet until COVID hit two years ago now, and that led to a really massive pickup in social bond issuance. So while we expect COVID-related issuance to decline, we do believe that there has been a heightened focus on social issues um, more broadly in the market, which indicates that the issuance of this, these instruments will not go away, specifically from public sector entities and other um, financial institutions, for instance. As Lori mentions, we've seen an increase in sustainable and social issuances from financial institutions. We've seen that for these issuers, it seems to be easier to identify eligible loans to qualify for the social label. This being, for example, under the category of access to essential services, access to finance. Whereas for other corporates, identifying projects with a social benefit can be more challenging. Some green categories seem to be more transversal to industries than social. For example, most issuers will have projects to classify under green buildings and energy efficiency, regardless of their industry. Oh, that's a very interesting nuance. So, you know, what you're saying is that obviously across the market, it's been easier to find green assets. They're much more well understood than social assets or social projects, for example. But financial institutions have these loan books and it might be easier for them to identify social purposes and grow their social issuance. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I will agree. As well as out there in the market, there is much more uh, work out there that is being done on trying to define what will be green rather than what will be social. So with uh, social, you will follow more uh, around what is in general accepted as human rights or more like international norms, principles or goals, like related, for example, to the definition of social rights, which maybe not be that, let's say, clear or easy to define compared to green, where it's mainly based on science and is more tangible for issuers than maybe trying to find an asset or an expense that directly links to a social benefit. Right, right, understood, understood. We were watching this market grow, and obviously, you know, the, the markets are being governed by a set of voluntary principles that are intended to ensure the integrity of the market, right? To avoid these 
you know, concerns that market participants have around greenwashing. Can you speak a little bit about what, you know, what are the main concerns that market participants are raising and how market participants are addressing them? Yeah, sure. Uh, So maybe I can speak to some of the greenwashing concerns that have arisen in the market and then let Anna Maria speak to how they are being addressed. Maybe it would be helpful to start with a definition of what greenwashing or more broadly sustainability washing, as it's been come to be called, um, means in the context of sustainable debt instruments. So essentially, greenwashing is when an issuer misuses the green or social label on an instrument by overstating the environmental or social benefit of that transaction. And then in doing so, they mislead market participants. The main sustainable debt greenwashing concerns that we have identified so far, I think, can really be classified into a few primary categories. So the first one is a general lack of consistency in how ESG instruments are labeled. So the sustainable debt market is a self-labeled market, which means issuers can choose whatever label they think best fits the sustainability characteristics of their instrument. This has, however, resulted in a wide variety of sustainable debt instrument labels being used in the market. And in our view, this has led to some confusion for market participants surrounding what social or environmental benefit will actually be achieved by the labeled instrument. The second large category is reporting and more specifically post-issuance disclosure. So it's become a expectation of the market that issuers report on information which allows investors to understand what the environmental or social benefit being achieved by the instrument is, such as, for example, the impact of the projects on the use of proceeds side or the progress issuers are making in achieving their sustainability performance targets on the sustainability linked side. However, there's been a lot of inconsistency in the type of disclosure provided by issuers, and this is partially due to a lack of transparency and consistency in ESG data more broadly. And then finally, the third category surrounds differing views among market participants of what is considered a sustainable activity or a sustainable project. So for example, there have been a few instruments issued by companies, for example, in hard to abate sectors that have been accused of greenwashing because they were financing projects for example, transition projects like natural gas, which some investors consider to be a transition project, while others did not. Greenwashing, social washing, sustainability washing, I'm hearing all kinds of different washings <laughs> that might be <laughs> happening across the market. But what's happening? What are What's being done to address them? Anna Maria, what have you been observing? So I think from Lori's last point on which um, there is not a there is no common definition on what will be green or social. Uh, let's say that, for example, in the EU, with the EU taxonomy, what you're doing is giving the investors a common understanding of a minimum bar of what will be acceptable as green. So right now, the EU taxonomy regulation is not really directed to fixed income instruments. It's more towards on the reporting side uh, from corporates and, and investors on their portfolio and activities. However, this definition of green activities can be and is being translated into the use of proceeds of these instruments to really provide a clear description and categorization of these eligible environmental projects. 
So we've been watching the the EU taxonomy take shape. And so your expectation is that issuers in Europe and beyond are going to be looking to the EU taxonomy to defend, maybe that's not the right word, but to align, to demonstrate that what they're doing is green? Is that your expectation? Yes, I would say to define, rather like to defend, it will be more to define what is really the green project that they are financing. And you see that right now with the um, proposal for the green bond standard, which is actually directed to fixed income instruments in which they use the EU taxonomy as part of that standard uh, to, as we were saying, uh, support the definition and selection of those eligible green projects for financing. Right. Thank you. There's a, a lot of activity happening in the EU around sustainable debt market sustainable finance market in general. So definitely something to keep an eye on. And we'll certainly, we certainly are here at S&P Global Ratings and potentially we'll, we'll talk about it further in another episode. But beyond the Europe, what's happening in the, the US, Lori? You know, the SEC came out with some new disclosure rules on, on climate. There's, there's a lot of other activity that's happening around this disclosure space. Yeah, that's a great point, Karina. So um, Anna Maria talked a lot about, you know, the EU taxonomy and how that relates to use of proceeds instruments. I think, you know, with the SEC proposing the requirements for um, publicly traded entities to report on greenhouse gas emissions and then also risk re related to climate change in their annual reports, that's likely going to expand, you know, past climate into other things like um, diversity, um, human capital management, um, board diversity, etc. We actually think that this is a key development for the sustainability linked market. Um, and the reason for this is that because if all entities are required to report the same information in a similar format, this could actually help appease, you know, some of the greenwashing concerns specifically surrounding incomparable KPIs or unambitious SBTs, or just more generally around um, disclosure being consistent uh, from entity to entity. So we think this is, you know, a key development. Um, and we think it could actually help in terms of the growth of the sustainability linked market going forward. Maybe let's switch gears to to thinking about the the issuer perspective. Obviously, we're a second party opinion provider. We look at financing frameworks, we look at loans, we look at bonds to, un to understand the extent to which they align with the applicable, you know, ICMA principles, green bond sustainability, sustainability linked. There's so many now. <laughs> What do you see as some of the, the greatest challenges for issuers in meeting the expectations of this growing market? So maybe I can start here uh, and then Lori, I would let you compliment. I think that uh, let's just start by giving a bit of context on the ICMA principles. So these principles are guidelines on the mainly process related and governance uh, characteristics of these instruments. So you will find some guidance for use of proceeds, uh, for how to selecting those eligible projects, how to manage the proceeds through the life of the instrument, and finally, how to communicate back to investors on the specific benefit, if it's use of proceeds uh, of, that, of those projects. And similarly, for sustainability linked, you will have also guidance on how to better structure those instruments and uh, how to monitor and how to communicate 
the performance of the of the company uh, to the to the investors as well. So these are the two to like what is behind these ICMA principles. I will focus maybe uh, for now on the use of proceeds side. So if we see in the use of proceeds with the ICMA principles, as I just mentioned, is mainly process and governance oriented. Uh, however, uh, this should be seen in combination with a specific taxonomies, like we were talking about right now, EU taxonomies, but EU taxonomy, but also uh, other regional taxonomies or more international taxonomies like climate bond initiatives to really uh, provide more information to the market on the green qualities or social qualities of the projects. And we've seen that up to now, that's what's being um, shown to be more challenging regarding use of proceeds for the issuers. From one side, when we're talking about environmental, they they might see it uh, a bit restrictive in order to be able to find a portfolio that is will comply with the minimum size that they require to go to the market. Uh, however, we do believe that a combination of the principles with the taxonomies is really um, an expectation of the market right now. And from the social side, well, there is not really a taxonomy out there yet. There are some developments in the EU, but still not out there. Uh, but still, you can issuers can use official country definitions to support their eligibility criteria. They can come up with a specific uh, thresholds or definitions of their target population that will support that social benefit. And once again, here is shown to be a bit more um, difficult for the issuers to be quite specific on what they are intending to finance. Uh, but we do believe that that is for sure an expectation of the market. And speaking of expectations of the market, I think another key expectation on the use of proceeds side is that issuers make a clear link between the projects they are financing through sustainable debt issuance with their sustainability strategy. This has become a larger consideration for investors, in our opinion, because several companies have actually issued instruments in recent years to finance projects which did not at all address their main environmental or social exposure. I'm thinking specifically of a few examples of companies in hard to abate sectors like oil and gas using green bonds to finance renewable energy projects while still growing their conventional fuel footprint. So we think a lot more emphasis is going to be placed on this tie between projects and sustainability strategy going forward. And then maybe I can also touch on some of the challenges in the sustainability link space. One of the primary ones that we are seeing is what we call the first mover dilemma. So we discussed at the beginning that the sustainability linked bond market is relatively new. It's quite diverse as well. So in many cases, entities are the first ones in their sector to issue a sustainability linked instrument. In some cases, companies are also the first to set a public sustainability performance target. So as a result, it's often difficult for investors to understand the ambition of that target, especially when they don't have other entities to benchmark it to. This is something that investors will be watching over the coming years, especially between now and 2025. And the reason that I mentioned 2025 is because this is the first year that many targets on the sustainability linked instruments will start to expire. And we think that in 2025, we'll really be able to see how successful the sustainability linked bond market has been in driving sustainability improvements across entities and across their sectors. 
Well, lots to watch here. It's interesting to see the market grow, see it diversify, to see it innovate, to see different initiatives to help improve the standardization of the information that's put out there, the data that's being used. We're seeing a a lot of efforts in this market to ensure that the proceeds that are being allocated are going to sustainable purposes or that the issuers themselves are improving their performance on areas that are core to their operations. So obviously, this is something that we will continue to be observing, continue to comment on. Uh, But for now, I think we will leave it there. Thank you so much, Lori and Anna Maria, for joining us on Beyond the Buzz. For our listeners, if you are interested in the commentaries that we referenced, check them out. There's uh, The first is Global Sustainable Bond Issuance to Surpass $1.5 trillion in 2022. And the second is Navigating the Strengths, Challenges, and Best Practices in Sustainable Finance Frameworks and Transaction Documentation. These are available on our website at www.spglobal.com. I highly recommend you take a look at all of the articles published by Lori and Anna Maria. They are tremendous analysts on the sustainable finance team and pretty prolific writers. Thank you again for for joining us and we hope that you enjoyed this episode today. Catch us next time for Beyond the Buzz. To subscribe to Beyond the Buzz or to view our analysts research, go to spglobal.com forward slash ratings. Thanks for listening and tune in for our next episode.